We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat Joining me, Mr. Brendan Nunez from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse podcast. Brendan, what's going on? Not too much, James. Wrapping up year one for me here. And there's different phases throughout this whole season that you've laid out before, and we are definitely in an entirely different one right now. That's funny. Uh, It reminds me, like, I talked to my son, like, me and my, my oldest, we have a really close relationship when we talk about things, and... Like, even, like, going into high school, I would lay out, like, what was going to happen with, you know, specific people that he was around. And, like, this is what's going to happen to this person. This is what's going to happen to this person. And, and of course, it follows it all the way through. And he's, like, um, yeah, he, he he's come to me multiple times, like, yeah, you totally called that. I'm, like, yeah, they're, they're like, there are people archetypes in the world. Like I talk about player archetypes all the time. There are people people archetypes and rarely do they vary from what you think that they're going to do. And so anyway, uh the season, it's the same thing. Like I, I can pretty much lay it out like what's gonna happen. Uh and you know, you hope that it's different sometimes and you could see if it's gonna be different and then it's gonna you know, you'll see a different chase. But yeah, it uh it does seem to follow some sort of cosmic pattern and apparently the stars are aligning for Davion Mitchell right now it is his moment yeah what is the the one shining moment uh we could just sing the one shining moment song right here uh we're not going to um that's Can't not gonna happen it? I don't know I don't think I know the the lyrics I just know that that's what they play right every time the NCAA championship um yes okay Okay, wow, so let's. I didn't realize at first. Yes, I do know what you're talking about now. Yeah. All right. So let's get to uh, let's get to some of the the business uh, side. Uh, number one, if you're watching on the YouTube, uh, go down below and give us a thumbs up. Uh, subscribe. 
we're moving up on the ranks where everything's going well here at the King's Beat, and we appreciate all your support. Uh, number two, this is the last day uh, to use the merchandise code, uh, the March merchandise code to get 15% off all King's Beat apparel. So make sure that you hop on board with that. Uh, you save 15%. You can find the code either in the email, if you get the email, uh, if you're subscribed to the King's Beat, uh, or if you're here on YouTube, you can go down and find it down below in the description. Um, also, I just want to give a shout out to my guy, um, Jim, from, from uh, Brickhouse. Uh, Brickhouse Industries has been like amazing. He's helped me fill all of these orders, uh, and he does all kinds of stuff. So if you guys have any needs uh, when it comes to uh, just about anything, uh, when it comes to apparel, um, he he's absolutely spectacular. I'm actually wearing, um, he has pickleball shirts, um, which, you know, the pickleball craze is, is storming America. Uh, and actually there are four beautiful courts that they just built right here. Um, uh, probably like less than a hundred yards from my house across the water. Do you um, play? I, I don't, well, I, I'm, I bought rackets and I'm going to play because I've heard it's like, it's like ping pong, but standing on the, the bo uh, on the table. Um, and that sounds like fun to me, but, uh, you know, I got to get through, got to get through the health issues first and then I should be fine, uh, to play. I'm excited to learn how to play. Um, I don't know about, you know, how things go with someone who has a bad back and, you know, people who hit low balls. I probably, it's like when I play softball, there came a point where I couldn't, I couldn't go one way or I couldn't go another way, uh, because my back is so, uh, is so sketchy, um, uh, but. Yeah, getting old, yeah. Brendan. You don't yeah, know you this, spent but time living on the injury report. Now you write them on a night-to-night -night basis. I, I do. I live on. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm usually like. I, I'm probable though, because I, I'm going to show up. You, you know, I'm going to show up. They're like they're probable one. Is the perfect word. Yeah, there. There was one game where I was a game time decision, and I still made it. I still made it. the doctor didn't want me to go, but that's okay. Um stormed in the door right before the pregame presser ended and then dropped a hard-hitting question and got out of there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so let's get to... Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to cover today. Um, we're going to start diving deep into the roster um, because before you can start talking about, um, you know, what the Kings should do or what they need to do, you probably should know, like, the basics of where they're at and uh, so we're going to cover that in the second half of the show. Um, we're going to cover uh, some cool things in the business of basketball, which I, I did not spring on on Brendan. I did not tell him, so he's he's not going to know until we get there. Uh, and uh, but we're going to start with um, a rare, rare Thursday overreactions. Um, like okay. Like, we got the hot take machine. Like, it's almost like there's a uh, a website for... It's just like the NBA trade machine, but instead of uh, trades that you can... And uh, I think the latest one circulating through the Sacramento region on, uh, on Thursday morning is that Davion Mitchell will be the starting point guard of the Sacramento Kings next season... I don't care who's on the roster. Brandon, your thoughts? That De'Aaron Fox is really good at basketball, James. And I think Davion might be better than 
maybe what I expected. I also kind of feel like it's tough to gauge how much value I want to put into this sometimes because he's getting a lot of shots up. But just, you know, I, I feel like this is Davion's moment and it's deserved. It doesn't need to be also used as taking shots at De'Aaron Fox. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I guess I didn't know that I took it as a shot on De'Aaron Fox as I as much as I took it as just a hot take. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I'll tell you this: if De'Aaron Fox was playing, Davion Mitchell would not be doing what he's doing right now, and I, I think that that's you know I'm not going out on the limb there. Um, De'Aaron Fox is averaging like in the second half of the season like 20 shots a game. And having two players shooting that many shots or close to it is very difficult. Um, but I also would caution everyone of the Ike Diagu uh, phase of the season that we're in. We're literally in the Ike Diagu range, which means that somebody has to score because everybody else is gone. And so Davion is doing some amazing things, and he's beating just the top tier of the NBA, like the Indiana Pacers, the Houston Rockets, and other teams that are not going to the playoffs and want to lose basketball games. So, like, I don't want to bag on what Davion's doing because I it's very impressive what he's doing. But I also know that this is Scalabissier put up like 30 and 15 in a game in the last week of the season. He's no longer in the NBA. And he's like 26 years old. So, so Brendan, I, I would just caution everyone to look at what Davion is doing with the correct lens. The lens that this is a very specific time of the year where you're playing one of the worst teams in the league. You barely beat them. And oh, by the way, they sat Dennis Schroeder. They sat Eric Gordon. They sat Christian Wood. They sat Alperin Shengun. And you're going up against guys who, uh, what did they, uh, most of the game, they had like a six foot seven center, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the one outlier, because you're right, Indiana, Orlando, Houston, Miami's a solid team, but they, they weren't. Got, they got rolled. Yeah. Um, the Phoenix game would be the outlier where okay. Davion did take them to OT and was guarding Devin Booker, who I was going to say has a case like to make a – he's able to make a case for MVP, but he's not that caliber. But he's an all-star in the league. Um, and Davion did it on both ends of the floor. Like For the most part, I'm with you just presenting the other side because I think there is one aspect you can point to with that Phoenix game. Um, but outside of that, I mean, like he's not – to me, really making bad shots, I feel like he's getting good attempts, getting good looks pretty consistently. Some of the finishing has been a little eye-opening for me, not even just the dunk finishing, but some of the layup package that we're seeing. And also these dunks. Like, what what happened in that game, by the way? He just tried to take out JaVale McGee in that Phoenix game, and then he does this. Like, there was a time earlier this season, and this is always what I think of when I have these posters, that we were out of practice, and De'Aaron and Tyrese and Davion were all messing with each other. It seemed like about Davion's bounce. And now Davion's like, no, 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 I can't get up there like that anymore. And, like, because you see De'Aaron do a hop step into a jump, and Davion's, no, I can't do that anymore. 
and they're all giving him a hard time. I saw you in high school. I saw you in high school. And Davion told us post game, I guess it went away for a little while, but it's back now. Yeah. And, and you know, when Ty was saying that, Ty was like, I was like a sophomore in high school and you were like a senior in high school and I saw you in high school. Yeah. Um, he does have bounce. And, and I think the funny thing, he was struggling with some sort of injury at that point. And he had just missed a game or two uh, because of, or he missed a game because of some sort of injury. I, I can't remember what it was. I mean, it's so long. Like the season, like it's like 14 seasons in one season, right? It just depends on how you break down like the stretches. And I mean, Luke Walton was the head coach of this this team at the beginning of the year. Like, like Buddy Heald played a lot of games. I, that like, one got me the other day. Somehow, like when we were watching Indiana, I had my first moment of, "Wow, we just don't watch Buddy Heald anymore." It's like, it's amazing. Know, we, isn't I was it? too in the moment, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I don't watch this guy anymore." Well, I think people forget too that like Marvin Bagley sat like all but one of the first fifteen games, and then he played. And then he got traded, and now everyone in Detroit thinks they got the steal of the century, and he's literally doing the exact same thing he did in Sacramento, um, and they they just haven't got you know to the point where Glass Joe shows up. Um, but yeah. you know, it's funny that wording. I think Milwaukee fans probably used for how Kings fans were treating Dante for a little while there. He's cooled down for sure. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think that wording is just funny. It's definitely similar to probably what Milwaukee would say. Because they're all, oh, traded him for Sergi Baca. What's that? And it's like, oh, well, when you see a little more Dante. Yeah, there are moments where he's really good. There are also moments where, um, you know, he's trying too hard. He's trying too hard, and um, and you can see the passion and everything else coming out. But, like, there's something, there's something to being really good at – like a handful of items, like if you can become an elite, if he could become an elite three-point shooter, then he's worth so much money. It's ridiculous. But the fact that his career path goes up and down and up and down, um, it's, you know, Ben McLemore keeps making money because he figured out that if he just shot the three really well, which he had that skill coming into the league uh, and he had the skill to dunk, but he had no skill in between dunking and shooting the three. Um, you know, that's, that's a problem, but, uh, you know, he's found a way to stay in the league by shooting the three ball and it doesn't matter where he's at. He's, he's hitting him. Um, but with, with, uh, DiVincenzo, I think like there's, there's a clear path for improvement and it starts and ends with him shooting the three, like super consistently, because if you could get that, if you compare that with the other skill set that he has, then, you know, you have a really good starting shooting guard in the NBA. And, uh, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing with Davion is that Davion is a guy that, um, like, when given enough minutes, given, given enough time to get comfortable to break through the rookie wall, which I, Alvin Gentry did not believe he hit a, a wall. I totally disagree with Alvin Gentry. Um, like, Davion Mitchell clearly hit a rookie wall, like, maybe even twice this season. And that's okay. That's that's what happens with every rookie. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton hits, hit rookie walls at, like, flattened him last year uh so so anyway like to bring it back to Davion um what do you think about this notion that next season starting backcourt is De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell I think that I want to see it unless they happen to you know we're still 
at least I'm expecting a big move this offseason. If that happens to be at the two guard, then I get why you have Davion staying as coming off the bench. But like between the two, Davion and Dante, Dante's gotten some opportunity alongside the starters. I feel like at very least Davion should get an opportunity to be that starter and kind of see if it can work with him being in a more complimentary role. Because I think it's kind of what we were saying here of like the same way that this context maybe benefits Davion with having more opportunity. I think it could hurt somebody like Dante, where when he's asked to do too much that he just doesn't look as good out there. And when he's alongside better players, Fox and Sabonis, that that's when he shines. So just have to see Davion get that same chance to be more of a complimentary piece, which I think he's had the opportunities throughout this season, but the role has still fluctuated. There's been a lot of change of this roster. We mentioned coaching staff and all that. So I think that at very least, I'm not locked into like, Davion's the point guard of the future or anything like this, but I think he deserves an opportunity to be the starting two alongside De'Aaron. I would put him over there over Dante right now. Okay, that's an interesting idea that that you'd put him over Dante. And I'm going to agree with you on the the main point there is that starting at the two, like that that's the key here. Um, we've already seen what De'Aaron Fox and another like lead guard, you know, high volume uh, or high usage rate guard looks like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. That's not who De'Aaron is, and it doesn't work. So um, I think the Kings need to be cautious of that. And and also say this, like, there's no shame in Davion Mitchell coming in and playing 30 minutes off the bench. He's going to be the primary ball handler with the second unit. Like, w- somebody has to do it. If not, you're going to have to go get another point guard. So I think it's fine that he's the primary ball handler coming off the bench and that he can play major minutes and that they can play three-guard sets down the stretch with him playing major you know, starter minutes. He can play the whole fourth quarter, even if it's in a two-guard set. Um, but I, I think we're going to have to come to a point where they have to show me that, that they can defend a, another team's backcourt. And that, I mean the pair of De'Aaron and Davion together. They have to show that they can both play defense well enough because if you're going to use Davion at the point guard on defense and at the shooting guard on offense, that's fine. But that means De'Aaron has to defend shooting guards. And so there's always going to be like this give and take. What are you giving up? And I'll say that like when the first time I watched Davion play, the one player that I he kind of reminded me of is a smaller version of Eric Snow. Like, I thought he could step in and be like Eric Snow to, uh, to Allen Iverson. I, I thought he could actually be that type of player. And so for me, that, that makes sense that, you know, you have a guy who does play defense, who has some ball handling duties, but who's really like opening, you know, looking for open set shots and stuff like that. If you're going to play with De'Aaron Fox and Montez Sabonis, you're going to be an off-the-ball player. And so everyone who wants him to be like the starter, I, I'll just say like you're very much limiting what Davion Mitchell can be if he's a starter. Because if he's a starter, he's starting alongside those two who are primary like heavy usage players that are going to be orchestrating everything. And it's almost better if Davion is coming in off the bench and doing what he does 
as a second team guy who's leading that second unit, in, in my opinion. And, and then, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do at the shooting guard position. But uh, I think there are options there. Yeah, I think that you're going to need to probably give yourself some options for sure with that. Um, I definitely see why. Yeah, Davion as the backup one, I think is very fitting for him. I also, like I said, wouldn't mind him at the two. I think that kind of how you deal with that, like like you said, offensively, De'Aaron has to be your initiator still. De'Aaron and Domas. And that would leave Davion as more like a complimentary wing guard on offense. And then defensively, between the one or the two, whoever you decide on that night that whoever is the main initiator for the other team, De'Aaron gets lost on screens, to be honest. Like, when he is putting in full effort for, like, those three, four, five possessions a game, he's able to get around. But I think the idea is you're trying to give him a break when he's on defense. It's not that you need to hide him, but you don't need him guarding the primary initiator for the other team, and you can have Davion do that. And some teams will still make De'Aaron be involved if they have two good guards like that. But I think more often than not, it's like night-to-night basis of who is, where can we have De'Aaron save a little bit of energy, have Davion be the one fighting through screens the whole time on defense? Yeah. No, I mean, I look, this team is like, it's completely incomplete. <laughs> like, if that makes sense. Like, it, this just, you, you get a giant INC on this roster. It's It's not a finished product at all. And I'm not walking into this offseason um, and changing my offseason plans from the five-game stretch that I've seen from Davion Mitchell where he's averaged over where he's cleared 20 points and seven assists in every game. I'm not making any decision on next season based off of what I'm seeing down the stretch without DeMontis Sabonis, without uh, De'Aaron Fox, without Rashawn Holmes, without, you know, like there are so many pieces that are missing and you're having guys who step up and have moments like Damian Jones, like Trey Lyles, but at the same time, if this roster comes back next year and it's Trey Lyles and Shemezi Metu at the four, um, then I, I just being straight up, then uh, Monty McNair failed. He failed in the offseason. If that's what you're coming back and that's what you have at the at the power forward position, that's not a knock on either player. You just need a better player. You need better better players on this roster, more talent on this roster. And so again. Like, is there going to be a place in the starting lineup? If De'Aaron Fox and uh, Davion Mitchell are starting alongside each other with Sabonis and Harrison Barnes and who knows who else, like, I can already tell you Davion Mitchell is a fourth option. Yeah. I mean, how, I, does it, how does it affect? Because I think that it feels like anything is on the table this offseason. Yep. Like, we've been saying that there's probably going to need to be another big addition how does this stretch change how you view Davion as a trade asset if he were to be involved in conversations? And, you know, not advocating for anything, but everything is going to have to be on the table this offseason. I would say, like, Darren and Tomas, if those two guys got moved, I would be shocked. Outside of that, like, you have to have the conversations. But how does this change, like, your trajectory and how you view Davion going forward? Yeah, I, I think what we saw at the trade deadline was very specific. Um, that Monty McNair valued assets over the human side, right? Like everyone in Sacramento loves Tyrese Halliburton. But as an asset, Halliburton had become good enough that you were able to go get DeMontis Sabonis for him. 
And I'll be honest with you. Like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I saw it all over the all over the Kings fandom. I, I saw it. People are like, "Well, I'm okay if they trade Davion Mitchell this offseason." I mean, like all you guys out there know who I'm talking about. Like you guys were saying it, and it's like, okay, like someone said, "Would you trade Davion this?" And I'm like, "Would I trade him?" Like, what are you gonna get for him? Like that's that's sort of the the million dollar question, right? Um, but when you get to this offseason, if there is some team that's watching what's happening right now and watching it through a very specific lens that they need a point guard that can do what he does, um, then maybe he is worth way more in this offseason. Maybe he's a piece that goes and gets you a piece. And I think, again, like if you told me at the end of Tyrese Halliburton's rookie season and thought his rookie season was excellent and I was super excited to watch him for the next 10 years, but if you told me at the end of that season that you could trade him straight up for DeMontis Sabonis and they would take Buddy Heald's contract, I would have said, you're full of it. There's no way. So, again, I think this is about, like, it's about a deeper question about roster creation and roster building and, and managing assets. And to be honest with you, that's the one thing that I think that I have been impressed with when it comes to McNair is his ability to manage the assets that he has and has he blown like his his second round picks yes like you dumped Jamias Ramsey and Robert Woodard and not only that but you paid Robert Woodard way too much like he I think they owe him 300,000 for next season like you paid Robert Woodard too much like you put too much faith in what you saw from him in a small sample size and you gave him too big of a contract two-way contract that would have been fine. A one-year, 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 like like what we normally see for second-round picks, that's fine. But they gave both of those guys two-year deals with a you know possibility for more. Outside of that, like they've they've kept the clean a clean sheet as much as they can when it comes to the salary cap, and they've got so many different options. But now they have two monster pieces to build around and. So I don't expect them to trade Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox in the offseason. I expect them to create the right team, the right mix around them in the same way that we saw Houston create the right mix around, you know, guys like James Harden. And initially what, like, at one point they had Dwight Howard. Uh, another point they had, you know, Westbrook. Another point they had Chris Trevor Paul. Reza, Robert Covington. But see, those guys are the perfect complementary pieces that you start piecing around great players that's what i think that they're going to try to do and so all of these other pieces are are really movable and is, is davion mitchell really good sure like but I'll also point out so is pat bev like alongside james harden so can that work sure it does but you gotta check your ego out the door like if you're davion mitchell you're primarily a set shooter on occasion you'll have the opportunity to take someone off the dribble but you're a set shooter who plays defense who plays the toughest man every time so like look i see that there's a way he could be a starter uh, he's not the starting point guard we've seen him show point guard skills for like exactly the last five games before that not so much he didn't set his teammates up he looked for his own shot some games he would have six assists but it came in games it came in games where he couldn't shoot at all. 
and then other games he has no assists and so like like there's a lot that needs to grow with Davion and I get it that there's some excitement here but like keep some perspective I, I think that's my my end of that like keep some perspective on what we're watching here the time of season the pl- the teams you're playing the fact that you're missing 50 points a game off your roster uh all of those things yeah 50 points geez wording it like that yes very much so um it's important to keep context for all the reasons that you just laid out and I think there was one other stretch this time in Davion's career uh rookie season I think 10 games prior to the all-star break he had another sequence where he was kind of putting it all together but that was without De'Aaron alongside Tyrese and so yeah just if before I'm going too crazy about Davion as much as I've loved watching this need to see it alongside those other guys and against high quality opponents consistently yeah so we're, like look uh, like go ahead I was going to transition us into a different guy so before doing... you do I'm, I'm going to say this like what people are seeing from from Davion Mitchell is a little bit what you saw from Isaiah Thomas, right? You saw when you hand him the ball and you give him 18 to 20 shots a game and you say, it's your show, go out and do it, go out and be the guy, you're handing everything over to a very specific style of play. And the Kings, A, already have that guy who is a very specific style of play, like where he is the guy who's going to score 28 points a game, right? But... With Isaiah, once he wasn't in Boston anymore and, you know, he puts up 30 points again, once he's no longer, like, the focal point of everything, can he fit in alongside everyone else? And the answer was no. That's at least what most NBA executives thought. That's why he bounced from one team to the next. It's why he ended up out of the league. Of course, he had the hip injury, so I'm not going to, like, take that out as well. But the problem is that no one wants to hand their entire franchise over to him again. And that's, again, it partially because of the hip injury, uh, but it's also about the style of play. Like, Allen Iverson worked in one specific place. Outside of that, it was a little iffy. Like, it was, it was super iffy. Like, no one else wanted to fully give in everything. And so what we're seeing is Davion get a, getting a moment to be the everything. He doesn't even have, like... De'Aaron doesn't have that opportunity to be everything because he still has Sabonis. You know, and, and even in the past, he had Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald and Rashawn Holmes. Like, he had support players that actually did quite a bit. What Davion's doing this right now with with Damian Jones and Trey Lyles as his, like, sidekicks. And I think that that should probably be, like, something that should sink in. That's who he's he's playing alongside. Yeah, and I think that same conversation kind of applies to those other guys, right? Of D Jones and Trey Lyles and what yeah. we're seeing from them. Of like they are imp- very impressive. Like D Jones has been really really good finishing around the rim, setting screens like as a role man. He's a great rim runner, he's super athletic, but I don't know that he's doing anything special. Like he's great to watch. He's the same. He's very athletic, really bouncy. I think he's gotten better hands. He still, you know, it's the most important position defensively. And while he has good moments, I think that he's still pretty foul prone. 
and not the most reliant on that end. I mean, he did have those four blocks against Houston, but it feels very hit or miss on defensive possessions. Um, he's an interesting one because he's blowing up here as well, even five assists in that game. But it's kind of hard for me, like when I look at some other guys that are going to be free agents this offseason that are big man, there's a lot of guys that remind me of D. Jones where I'm like, you know, I think you're a really solid backup center, maybe third string center, but why are you a starting center? Like what is the strong case that you're presenting? And I don't know exactly what it is for D. Jones. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the same time that uh, Davion Mitchell has, has gone on this tear, right, where he's put up 20 and 7, um, and it's more like 22 and 7. It's actually, I think he's averaging 24 and 9 or so. I, I mean, he's been really good. Um, let me, I, I'm not trying to take away, but at the same time, Damian Jones in the last five games has scored in double figures every single time. He just set a career high with 24 points. Over the last five games, he, I can actually get you this. He's averaging 15.8 points, 6.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.2 blocks, 27 minutes. His per 36, he's more like 19 and and eight and a half. He basically is like we saw stretches of this from. Oh, he's also shooting 60% from three. That's what um, I was about to backtrack. I think <laughs> if I had to question his elite thing, and I wrote this down earlier, it would be his finishing. Because that 64.7% from the field, Rudy Gobert is shooting 71%. Jared Allen, 67. After that, Montrez Harrell, 64. Like, that's a ridiculous, impressive um, percentage. And it's not all super basic looks. It's not just all dunks. Sometimes it's kind of flexible finishes around the rim. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm downplaying it. Yeah, I'll tell you, like, over his last five games, he's shooting 72.1% from the field. And, and he's shooting threes, and he's getting to the, the free throw line 4.2 times per game. Like, these are all impressive things. But but this is, I think, what my point is, Brendan. It's that we're at that time in the season where you want to give a guy, like, praise, right? You want to say, oh, great job, great job, great job. Uh, Bruno Fernando... Finished with 17 points and 10 rebounds last night playing against Damian Jones. Bruno Fernando, Usman Garabu, uh, 8 points and 7 rebounds last night. Usman Garabu started at center. He's 6'8". He's he's a road grader. They, they list him at 220. I'm going to guess he's more like 240. But again, Bruno Fernando is a is a 23-year-old guy who's 6'9", 240. And, and that's kind of the point, right? The point is that you're going up against guys who, you know, would Damian Jones been able to do the same thing against, uh, I don't know, just throw out the other guys that are on that roster against Christian Wood? Would he have been able to do that against uh, Alperen Shengun? Um, he didn't do it against, uh, he he wasn't nearly as good against uh, even like, yeah, the combo in Miami against, uh, you know, Dwayne Deadman and, and Bam Adebayo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Kings yeah, legend. Like Miami, Miami. I mean, uh, Orlando game is Mo Bamba, <laughs> Robin Lopez, Mo Wagner, same sort of thing. Yeah, and what did Mo Bamba do? Mo Bamba had 18 points, 13 rebounds. Yeah, took him outside and torched him. Yeah, four of six so, from three. So look, I think that like my point isn't to dump on Damian Jones because I, I agree with you. Like uh, Damian Jones, like if he's back next year as a, as a backup center. 
I'm totally fine with that because he's a different look than what Sabonis is. He's your classic rim runner and, and lob guy, and he does have some three-point potential. And those things are, he's very valuable. Like guys that do what he does, I think are, are like, you know, but you can't find them and you can't find them in the draft. Yeah. They, they're valuable to on-floor contributions. League-wide, their value's not that high. No. No, 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 not uh, that. I don't mean like money wise, not money valuable. I mean, to roster construction, like having a guy like that is good. Yeah, it's just other free agent bigs, Thomas Bryant, Montres Harrell, Chris Boucher. We talked about Mo Bamba going into restricted, JaVale McGee. How much are you losing if you go in one of these other directions? How much you're losing if somehow you trade down from number seven to number fifteen and you end up with Mark Williams from Duke? Like, right? Maybe and not. How much should you be prioritizing your backup center when maybe your best player is a center that's going to be playing thirty-five 30. minutes a night and he's not playing alongside another big? I mean, maybe. I don't think he should. No, I, I'm with you. And, and then on top of that, I'll say this. There is something there with Namias Keda. Like, the the Kings believe that there's something there with Namias Keda. And, you know, I'm not sure that you can just, like, throw him in there next season as your backup center. But if he's in a big rotation of backup centers, you know, if they're Knights— I, I mean, Alex Lynn is still on this roster next season, as of right now. I mean, you owe Alex Lynn $3.9 million next season. So, so there's a possibility that he's going to be there as well. Um uh, I think we're just uh, like, it's a heavy dose of reality, right? Like I, I want to like try to center people, like say, look, if Damian Jones does not make it back to the Kings next year, at ne- on next year's roster, it's not the end of the world. There are a lot of players that are like him out there that you can go out and get, and you have a much better version of Damian Jones sitting there in uh, Rashawn Holmes. Like he is a much better version of Damian Jones. Like he can actually defend the perimeter better and stuff like that. So anyway, um, yeah, I think it's, it's still, it's an interesting discussion on like roster creation and, and where the Kings should go from here and how they should use their money and all that stuff. Uh, I, I mean, if Damian Jones is back on a two year, $4 million deal next season, that's fine with me. I think he's, he's earned his spot in the league. He's one of the 450 players that should be in the league next season. He's a, a good basketball player that deserves you know, an opportunity somewhere else or with Sacramento. It doesn't matter to me though. It's like, uh, I, I'm okay either way. I think he's, he's done enough to be in the league. He hasn't done so much that I said, Oh, this is like a game changer if they lose him. Yeah. I forgot Tristan Thompson was on the team earlier this season, even. Yeah. The Another Kings had a few centers. Things. Yeah. At least a few, maybe. A, yeah. Yeah. More than few, but yeah, I know that we think they need wings on this roster as well. Like de- yeah. desperately need wings. Um, what caliber of wings do they currently have? I don't think they're starting caliber, but what do you think the Kings have that they're working with? And cause we're seeing a little bit more of Trey Lyles, Chemezi Metu. Okay. So if I'm talking wings, are we talking threes? Are we talking two threes? What are we talking? Um, I was thinking like three fours. Kind okay. of, because to me, Harrison, I can slot into either one. So it's the other forward. Okay, so I think this is a good time for us to run the... We're going to do something today called uh, keep them or send them send packing, right? 
um, the Kings have, it's actually really startling. Like we went through me and Brendan before we hopped on, like this roster is so in flux. It's crazy, like crazy. And I think that that's something that like we've seen from Ken Catanella his whole time is like the two year deal with a, with a third option, a third year option as a team option. We've seen those types of things. Um, but, uh, walking into this off season, um, it, these are the guys that are entering the final year of their deal. Mo Harkless at 4.6 million, Alex Lynn, 3.9 million, Trey Lyles, the, the Kings have a team option at 2.6 million, uh, Justin Holiday, 6.3 million, Harrison Barnes, 18.4 million, Damian Jones is unrestricted free agent, Chemezi Metu has, uh, the Kings have a team option at 1.9 million. Terrence Davis is at $4 million in the final year of his deal. Uh, Josh Jackson is expiring. And Dante DiVincenzo is a restricted free agent with a $6.6 million qualifying offer. So we're basically looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, that's 10. 10 players who are either entering the final year of their contract with the Kings uh, starting on July 1st. That will be the, the final year of their contract or are unrestricted or restricted or, you know, like a guy like Josh Jackson, which it won't be back in Sacramento. Um, It's pretty crazy, right? Like you're looking at two thirds of your roster that's going to roll over or has potential to roll over. Yeah. And it's not the easiest to kind of fill in after that. You know, it's like if we go through the guys that are still on the team, there's still some very noticeable holes that need to be filled. It's not like you just need second string guys. You still need to find other starters. Um, and just clearly there's about to be a lot of change with this team. And this is an area where I will be like a little critical of Monty. Um, okay. I, I think that in the time that we were waiting for him to make a big splash like the Sabonis deal, that the idea is that the previous trades we'd seen of, you know, he had an offseason or um, Dante, not Dante, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich walking for nothing, Rashawn Holmes kind of still being around, and then there's also um, DeLon Wright for Tristan Thompson, the Terrence Davis trade hasn't gone amazingly even though there's an injury there like Dante doesn't feel like an amazing piece like I think that in the time that we were wait knew we were waiting for a splash was the moments to also just work on the fringes of the roster and I think that we're seeing a lot of the guys are still really big question marks like there's still really other big holes I thought that maybe felt a little bit better about oh when they just make one splash the complimentary pieces will feel a little bit better and maybe they need one more addition to bump you know, Harrison Barnes on down uh, to have less responsibility. And then maybe it makes a lot more sense. But I think that while we were waiting for the splash, Monty did have some time to make changes to the fringe of the roster that don't look all too great at the moment. They also Um, look horrible. Yeah. I would counter and say that trading Marvin Bagley and getting back Dante DiVincenzo and, um, it it's Trey up being Lyles. Done, and Trey Lyles. Uh that to me is is still a coup because at least you have options with both players for next season and uh you did not have options with with uh really you didn't have options with Marvin Bagley. Um but you also knew what you had and and knew that it wasn't working. Um Trey Lyles at least I think, you know, fits 
you know, even if he's like a third, fourth big on a, on a roster, I think he's still fine. Like, I, th- I think he brings enough to the table um, that, and, and his contract is nuts. I mean, a team option for 2.6 million. I mean, that's absolutely spectacular. So let's start there. Uh, keep him or, or send him packing because the Kings have, this is the easiest one. They can just not pick up a $2.6 million option on Trey Lyles and let him walk. Yeah, I'm picking that up. I think that it's really good value. Like you said, maybe Trey Lyles doesn't do much next season, but I think at $2.6 million, I'm not feeling fed up about that going into next year. Like I just said, you need to hit on the margins, and I guess that this qualifies, but I'm with you that I think Trey Lyles is a fine fourth big, and somebody needs to be that guy. I totally agree. The fact that he can shoot it, the fact that on occasion he can rebound, uh, you don't want him out there playing like defense against like elite stretch fours. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't even want to know what uh, what Harrison Barnes, if he was going straight up against Trey Lyles, would do to Trey Lyles. Like, I think people forget the like if you put Harrison Barnes at the four at six foot eight. Like he's so much faster. He can dip, he can shoot from the perimeter, but he's also could take Trey Lyles off off the rim uh, off the bounce. Um, you know Ka-ka. that would yeah. There you go. Uh, okay, so I, I think uh, that's the first one. We I I say keep him. I'm with you. Keep him. Okay. Um, let's go to the, illustrate the same position. Chemezi Metu. The Kings have a 1.9 million dollar team option. Um, it becomes partially guaranteed. What do we say? Like four days after July 1st, after free agency begins. Um, and then it becomes fully guaranteed in December. Um, uh, Chemezi Metu has been all over the board as far as like in the rotation, out of the rotation. He's got, um, like he, he thinks he's, he's deserving of major minutes. Um, uh, but Brennan, would you keep him at 1.9 million knowing that a league minimum salary is like 950,000? And basically, you could save around somewhere around a million dollars to go towards other things if you went with a younger player over Chemezi Metu. Yeah, um, I think that Metu like maybe could be some small filler that like tips the scales slightly in a conversation of a trade talk, but. To me, like if if Trey Lyles is there, I feel like they play the same spot to me as the fourth wing on this team, the fourth forward, and I just feel like having both of them is a little bit of an overlap. I haven't loved seeing Chemezi Metu play the three as much as we've seen this year, um, which I guess sometimes he's out there and you don't know exactly which one is three or four if there's even a point in putting hard labels. Alvin has definitely called it positionless basketball. Um, I just, I don't know, Mezzi and Trey Lyles are kind of the same position to me, the same role, and I would rather go with somebody that I view that has a little bit more to offer on the defensive end rather than what to me is just kind of like offensive flashes. And while those flashes are intriguing, there's also enough low moments that kind of counteracts. Yeah, I I think uh, one of the things that I'll point to is that there's a way that Chemezi Metu does work for this team. And number one, he'd have to improve greatly as a three-point shooter. And he's still young, and he, he still has potential. Um, but I think the biggest way that 
we saw it in, I believe it was game one of the Sabonis era, was Shemezi Metu as a cutter. And he's he's throwing down crazy hammer dunks left and right. And it's like, holy cow, this is perfectly fit for Shemezi Metu, right? Um, so I, I do think that there is a way that he could be an impactful player. But I'm also kind of with you where, like, look, Roster spots are extremely valuable in the NBA. And if I can go backwards and like one of the problems that we, I think we both have with this team is that we got five games left in the season and they only have two players under the age of 24. Like that's not okay. Like this team is not young enough to be this bad. You know, it's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to be bad and not be super young. And when you can't hand the ball over, to a group of young players that, you know, that uh, what they kept talking about on the broadcast. There was a point this season where the Houston Rockets had um, like four 20-year-olds and a 21-year-old on the roster. I mean, uh, in the lineup, in the rotation, like playing in a game. The Kings don't have a single player younger than Namias Keita, who's like 22, 23. They don't have anyone, and that that just doesn't work. Like you have to have something coming up, and so that's where I would say Chimezu Metu is a thumbs down for me, and that I would go for a different. I would go for a a younger player that does some of the things that he does, but has potential to like not this year, maybe not the next year, but someone that you're growing and kind of spending a lot of time developing while he's bouncing back and forth between the G League with the potential like that we've seen some of the other teams around the league, like take advantage of this, you know? And so that's where I would be. Eh, I think you can find someone cheaper, uh, even though it's like marginally cheaper. Um, and I think you can find someone who is more fit to be the 13th, 14th, 15th man on the roster than Chemezi Metu. Yeah. I would be one of the youngest players on this roster, James. <laughs> Um, I'd be one of the youngest players on the Lakers roster. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you with Mezzi. Um, to me, the cutting is really interesting. Uh, I definitely am with you on that, but part of, to me, when he started cutting a lot this year was because maybe we should calm it a little bit on the three point shots. So let's get you inside a little bit. And it's just to me, I see the potential, like maybe it's something where with more opportunity, the Kings end up regretting that. But to me, there's too many questions on both ends of the floor. Like, I don't know what you're consistently getting from him on a nightly basis. Like effort, which is something that is the Kings do need. But Trey Lyles, you know that you're getting a a rebounder who is a capable three-point shooter. Sometimes you're getting, what, there was this game... I'm forgetting which one it was earlier this year where he had a crazy first quarter. He ends up going for a career high. And then you have nights like against the Houston Rockets still, by the way, where he goes four of 10 from the field. Yeah. I'm surprised. Chemezi Metu on the season averaging 8.7 points, 5.4 rebounds, an assist, 0.8 steals, 0.5 blocks. He's shooting uh, 44.3% from the field, which is low, but it's because he's shooting 29.5% from the from three point range um he actually is averaging more points per game than i thought he would he he just turned 25 like look i I think there's still some something there i think he he's like a again a back end of the rotation guy not even rotation at back end like if 
if you're a good team, he's not playing very many minutes. Is he and, almost Justin James esque of where it's a personality thing? Like he he has his moments on the floor, but to hmm. me, like skill set wise, I'd rather have Lou King. But I think that like Chemezi seems very well liked by all of his teammates, and that that when you're still kind of in question at the end of the roster could factor in a little now. Yeah, I think you're onto something. I also would tell you that I think um, between like him and Damian Jones, they're both really, really hard workers, and they're good culture guys because they are out there doing their thing. They're they're uh, when they aren't playing, they're out there playing uh, pickup games after games, and you know they're doing everything they can to be ready. I think Damian Jones has been more willing to accept the role as a guy who there could be five nights where you're not playing, and then. All of a sudden, I need you to play three games in a row. Um, he's more willing to accept that than Chemezi, I think. Um, but then again, I think he also has like, quickly defined himself as an NBA player. Like, this is who you are. Like, last year, he bounced around the league on 10-day contracts. He played with the Lakers before the Kings picked him up and signed him to two 10 days and then signed him to a deal. Um, again, if I were choosing between those two, I would keep Damian Jones. Uh, and I think he's almost two years older than than Chemezi. I think he's he's going on 27. Um, okay, so let's bust through some of these things. Um, keep him or send him packing. Mo Harkless. He's on uh, the Kings are on the hook for 4.6 million. We haven't seen a lot of Mo Harkless, especially in the second half of the season. But he kind of feels like to me one of those players that if you're able to improve the roster greatly at a couple of spots he might be more valuable than he is right now. I agree. I mean, between all of them, I, I've kind of thought that Harkless has gotten underplayed this season. I, I think that there's definitely moments where if his three-point shot is falling, like you know what you're getting from him defensively. Alvin's called him the best low-man defender on this roster, and I, I think that you do see that, and it's kind of easy to forget. Mo Harkless is 28 years old. It's yeah. not like he's... I mean, maybe he has lost a step since his time with Portland, but it's still not like he's he's old out there and expecting to be aging in these passing years or anything like that. Like, So I, I think to me, difference between him and Mezzi, for example, and Trey Lyles. Trey, you know what you're getting on offense. And actually, I guess you know what you're getting on defense too. It's just not what, exactly what you would want. Chemezi Metu is a question mark on both. And Mo, you know what you're getting on defense. Offense is a question mark on a night-to-night basis. And I think that the team really needs defenders at his size. So I think that I would I would keep him around. I don't mind if he's included in a deal. Um, certainly don't mind. He's not somebody I'm, like, really desperate to hold on to. But I think that, yeah, if I'm making the decision, I'm, I'm keeping him. Interesting. Um, I, for a lot of the same reasons, I, I think it depends on how the roster is constructed, how they attack this offseason. What you can't have is like three players like Mo Harkless that are non-offensive players completely. And you brought up the fact that, you know, if he shot the three-point better, um, that, you know, it, it would be even, you'd want to keep him even more. But the fact is, if he shot the three-point shot better, then he would be an extremely valuable piece that the Kings couldn't afford. Uh, the fact that he's, you know, shooting 30.7%, but, you know, he's he's a complete non-factor on the offensive end. Um, if you do the right things and you build the roster around them, I'm okay with him being, like, the fourth 3-4 combo player that you have. So, again, Harrison Barnes, 
Mo Harkless, Trey Lyles, and throw in like a much better player than that you know a, a big time player that you can actually that's going to be playing thirty something minutes a night to go with the thirty something minutes a night that Harrison Barnes is going to play. Um, I'm okay with that. That that makes sense to me. And so um, I would keep him, but this I'm going to say the situation has to be right in order to keep him. And I'll even point out, like, there was a point, I, I think the Kings were 9-9 nine and nine when Mo Harkless started. I don't know what their record is now when Mo Harkless starts, but it's not that far off of 500. And if you're a player who somehow is 500 as a starter and your team is 20-something games under 500, uh, that probably means that you do things that are are just really, really not noticed and that you do a lot of good. Um, but I'll also say this. I, I don't know that you can have him and Dante DiVincenzo and Justin Holiday on the same roster. I just, that's just yeah. your, your back end of the, uh, you know, your five through 10 in the rotation or even your eight through 12 in the rotation, I don't think it is good enough. Like, yeah, good point. I mean, the shooting for sure, because yeah. you're right. He's extremely up and down throughout his career, and I guess it'd be banking too much on like, oh, maybe you get a good year. Um, but because you can't play, like, I mean, I think just if you could avoid this completely, Fox, Sabonis, and Mo Harkless, it would be like a Mo is out there playing when one of those guys is on the bench, and you're kind of staggering because yeah. the spacing just is not enough. Like you're trying to optimize Fox and Sabonis and, and maybe that's not the full goal right now because there might also be an aspect of just acquiring more talent in general. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, Mo on the offensive end definitely does the opposite of optimizing those guys, makes things more difficult, um, which he actually might be an optimal fit defensively. But yeah, I, I think a really tough fit. We saw a lot of guys going into this year where it's like, oh, well, I see how it works on one end of the floor. And the other's still a huge question mark, and I guess Mo definitely fell into that. I'm with you. Definitely don't think starter, but I I wouldn't mind to miss that fourth big. Yeah, uh, I'm okay if he's on the roster. I, I think you're probably there are also ways to get around uh, him being on the roster uh, and, and still being solid. Um, okay, Alex Len, three point nine million. I mean, he doesn't play, James. <laughs> he does now a bit. But for he the played, most what, part, three minutes. Yeah, I think he got a little more run, right? Four. Sorry, yeah, four so minutes. Literally a little more. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've thought Len has been fine in minutes that we did see him earlier in the year. He also obviously has a complicated situation going on off court, but I don't know. I don't think he's worth that money. But I think that he is also better than what we've seen. I'm saying bye-bye. Yeah. I'm, I, I like Alex Len too. And I think Alex Len worked with the roster when Demonis Sabonis wasn't on it. Um, but now you kind of have the big tough guy. And he, I think you need a more versatile big shot blocker. I think if I had to choose between Damian Jones and Alex Len, I would choose Damian Jones. Yeah. Um, I think, again, you've got Namias Keita, uh, who eventually has to play some. Um, Rashawn Holmes is still on this team. Rashawn Holmes is still on the roster. That's still going to be an issue that, that I don't, I think the Kings thought that they had that thing figured out for this summer, but um, 
like all of this off-court stuff is probably going to throw a little bit of confusion into that. Um, but at the same time, like uh, he's not the only player in the NBA with some sort of off-the-court issues uh, that has been moved, and, and I don't, you know, I think they'll still be able to find a home for him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to also say, like, yeah, I would not keep Alex Lynn. I think, again, his contract is small enough. His skill set is is solid enough that, uh, you know, again, you package him a Mo Harkless, you're looking at $9.5 million. Uh, you know, and, and then the Kings have all of these other small contracts that you can actually package together and come up with a $20 million trade ship of expiring contracts. And I think there are going to be teams that are looking to split up much larger contracts into digestible, you know, three small contracts that they can dump players. Um, okay, so let's move quickly. Uh, we've already covered Mo. We've covered Alex. We've covered Trey. I believe we covered Trey. I'm a thumbs up on Trey. Uh, your thumbs up on Trey. Um, let's get to Justin Holiday. Six point three million. Um, I, I think everyone thinks I hate Justin Holiday, and I don't hate Justin Holiday. I think Justin Holiday is like a super cool dude. Um, he's actually like I've had great conversations uh, around him, and like even when we are having media sessions with him, he's really bright. He's really articulate. He's a really good, solid veteran guy. He just hasn't played well at all for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, where at are you all. at with him? Yeah, at all. He's He's been really bad. Like, And I don't think that he's this bad of a player. I you know, echo everything you said every time we've ever interacted with him. Like the very first day that he was traded, obviously Sabonis was the highlight, but instantly it's like, oh, Justin Holiday is really well-spoken. Um, yeah. And, yeah, gives us good answers and, yeah. You definitely don't have to reach when you're when you're talking to him or anything like that. And I've heard, you know, good things about how the other guys on the team feel about him. It just hasn't been enough. Like he's the prototype that you need. He just doesn't do it well enough. So to me, I kind of look at him as that six point two million combined with Rashawn Holmes gets you to almost being able to match a guy that's twenty million sort of range. And to me, like when I'm making my fake trade packages, it's pretty often combining Rashawn and Justin to be able to make the finances work <coughs> and Excuse then me. going from there. Justin Holiday makes you sick. I Heard couldn't hear first. I couldn't get to the mute button quick enough <laughs> to sneeze. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you bring up something really interesting there. Um, you know, again, 6.3 million. And when you package that with uh, Rashawn Holmes, Rashawn Holmes is at 11 point, uh, 11.2, so you're looking at 18.5 million. Well, 18.5 million plus or minus uh, 25%. So what do we say? 18.5 times mm-hmm. 1.25. Um, that can get you a $23 million player. You can get Jeremy Grant. I know um, people feel a type of way about that name, but I think that's – you know, someone we've heard thrown around, and it's like you can get a substantial piece for that sort of salary. Yeah, and I, I think you're going to have to give up more stuff, right, for sure. But at the same time, I mean, that's the the type of value. Like, and, and then if you throw in, say, an Alex Len, now you're looking at like you can get up to like close to a $28 million player. Um, so again, I, I think that's a way that if a team like Atlanta can't figure out a way to uh, to uh, to pay everybody, and they 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 look at their salary coming up and like cringing. 
um, that's where, you know, if you're going to throw in your first round pick and you can go chase a guy like uh, John Collins and give them valuable pieces that they can go do other things or that are expiring contracts that help them. Um, those are things that I think where where you start seeing deals piece together. So if like if Justin Holiday is my tenth man, I'm not horribly upset with that. I think he can give you solid minutes, but Justin Holiday defending starting shooting guards has not worked. Justin Holiday as a three point shooter, um, everything that's happening here in Sacramento, it feels like an anomaly. I mean, he's shooting thirty two point eight percent from the field. So not it has only is to be an anomaly, James. It has to be. I mean, he came in like he got traded to the Kings. He was shooting forty-one point five percent from the field and thirty-seven point eight with the Pacers. He's shooting twenty-nine point nine percent from three and thirty-two point eight percent from the field. He's a mess. He he's a total mess, and I and I don't know why that is. Um, but I also know that like we're at a point where it just you can't continue. Um. Uh, and, and I'll also say this too, there, there's like when you bring in general managers from, uh, or, or you bring in front office executives from other teams, uh, you have to remember that like these guys have history with some of the players that they've traded for. So like Justin Holiday was signed by the Atlanta Hawks, um, during Wes Wilcox time there. Um, Jeremy Lamb was drafted by the Houston Rockets and played for the Houston Rockets during Monty McNair's time there. So there are ties that bind some of these guys together. Uh, I'll also tell you this, Justin Holiday uh, was a groomsman in Harrison Barnes' wedding. Because so they played together on Golden State. They played together on Golden State. Uh, Alvin. Alvin Gentry coached both of them. Um, yeah, so there are all these ties that that bind some of these guys together. And I, I'll even say that Alex Len probably during Wes Wilcox's time with uh, the Atlanta Hawks, I'd have to look and make sure, but it's around that time. Um, yeah. So a, a lot of, a lot of like ways, six degrees of separation. Um, so we got done with Justin. Uh, we, we've already discussed Damien. Uh, we've discussed Chemezi. What about uh, yeah, Terrence Davis. Where are you Ooh. at? Take lead, James. Where am I at? Um, I kind of want Terrence Davis back. Like, if Terrence Davis is is healthy and right, I think he can be a complete spark plug. And uh, like, I, I think it's possible because of his ability to shoot the three that he fits in better than some of the other guys that we're seeing, like. I think he's an upgrade, his energy, his athleticism. He's an upgrade over, you know, a guy like Justin Holiday. Um, uh, he doesn't have the full skill set of a Dante DiVincenzo, specifically on the defensive end. Um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't try hard. Um, I, I just kind of want to know if there's a better shooting guard situation out there. If, if you know, if you're coming back and your four-guard rotation is De'Aaron Fox, uh De'Aaron Fox, Dante DiVincenzo, Terrence Davis, and Davion Mitchell. It's not good I, enough. I don't think that's good enough. Um, I, I think each of them can bring something, and I think you can you can score a ton there. Like, I, I think, you know, you could probably, between DiVincenzo, uh, Davion, and Terrence Davis, you can probably get 
36 to 40 points a game, you know, and part of that's off the bench, part of that's a starting crew, and then you match that with what De'Aaron Fox is bringing, that, that's actually pretty solid, but I'm just not sure if it's enough. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think that we've seen TDB fairly inconsistent this season. Mm-hmm. Also, a guy whose role fluctuated a lot. I think we've seen that a lot throughout this season with a handful of guys on this roster, and I think that that affects guys. I'm with you. If those are your four guards, that's your guard rotation going into next season. I don't think it's good enough unless you really made some improvements at the wings. But there's still all those wings that we just went through, and they just have to – one of these spots we needed a significant upgrade, which I think we've said, we've known. And to me, just those four guys is not quite enough. I don't know that I love any of them as starters, and – you need none of them at the same time to me either. I mean, outside of Fox, yes, yeah. outside of De'Aaron for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I don't think it's good enough of a guard rotation. And I also don't like that none of them. I feel good about even playing the three either, and kind of fluctuating that. You know, maybe Dante. I guess they've seen TD do it a little bit, maybe here and there. But I don't feel like a couple seen of much games. of a three guard rotation this season. There's been stretches, but. I don't know. Need more size to me. I'll just tell you that if you can get a shot-blocking athletic three, I mean a four, that that defends the rim um, as a weak side shot blocker and can hit the three, um, if you can add that, then I would love to see a bunch of three-guard sets. And and I'm okay with three-guard sets with uh, De'Aaron, Davion, and and TD, De'Aaron, Davion, and Dante, Davion, Dante, TD, uh, you know, De'Aaron, Dante, and TD. I, I Like, I'm intrigued by all of those. I think that the problem that the Kings had is that Rashawn Holmes was not right from the beginning of the season, um, and that it's tough to play that type of up-tempo, crazy three-guard sets with Harrison Barnes because Harrison Barnes is a really good three-point shooter. Um, he's a really solid veteran. He's a you know a solid, solid defender, but he's not a rim protector. And uh, the way that they tried to do things, it just didn't work. And so I wouldn't f- completely forget about the three-guard sets because I think a lot of teams around the league are still going to three-guard sets. But I also think a lot of teams in the league are starting to go back big. And, you know, like I think a lot of teams are intrigued by what's happening in Cleveland. And they're thinking, okay, why not? Because the the new big is so versatile, can shoot the three, can dribble, can, you know, we aren't talking about big hulking bigs. So if you have big hulking bigs like Sabonis or, uh, you know, uh, Valanchunas or Memphis is doing it too. Yes. Steven Adams. Like if you have a bunch of these bigs, right. That, that are big bigs, then you have to have this that again, Jaron Jackson, you need Jaron Jackson. If, if you're going to have a Sabonis and that's just not what, um, what Harrison Barnes is. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say my final, sorry. Yeah. Go No, no, go ahead. My final thing on the guards is that, you commit to those four, you are betting on your improvement being at the wing. And like we saw last offseason, I think there was a complicated timing 
that led to Sacramento having a whole lot of centers on their roster. And if you go through with those four and then realize the improvement that you can make because you're sitting at the draft and Jaden Ivey is the guy that's available, or you really like Benedict Matherin or A.J. Griffin, then all of a sudden you have a really big logjam that you're working with. And like we just don't know where the upgrade is going to come is kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I worry that you put yourself in a position where you're overloaded at one spot and wasting guys' potentials like assets. Yeah. No, no, and I can see that, and I can see that like if we're saying that we're not sure if those four are good enough, that means that you might need a fifth, which we don't think that Justin Holiday should be that fifth. But what does that mean for Davion Mitchell? Like, I think everyone thinks that Davion's going to play close to 30 minutes a game next year, whether it's as a starter or coming off the bench. I also think we we know that, that De'Aaron Fox is going to play 35 minutes a game next year. Now, whether he plays 82 is another question. But, you know, you start adding the minutes up, and it's like you can't— it's it's complex. The guys that you have might be able to fill the smaller roles that you have that you that you're looking for, but they still don't do the things that you have to have for this roster to work, which is be knockdown three point shooters, like be three and D guys. Like that's what you have to have. And then we also got to that point early in the season when we we're just like they just don't have enough shot creators. And I think part of that was because Terrence Davis just wasn't playing well and wasn't able to be a shot creator and stuff like that. Um, I, I think he's a little different. I think Dante DiVincenzo is a little different. Although Dante DiVincenzo, we've talked about like the erratic uh, shooting, you know, from the outside. He has been so bad at the rim. Holy cow, it's bad. So, yeah, it, it's just one of those things that, you know. It's where Dante's been tough for most of his career even in Milwaukee, just didn't have, you know, all too many driving opportunities playing off those other guys. And he's still not a guy I've given up as, like, the starter of this team moving forward. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm betting on that. But I think that's the thing with all of these guys is that you're like, well, if X, Y, and Z happens, then, yeah, they can be the starting two. And, you know, maybe if you make enough bets, one of them's bound to work. But at the same time, I'd rather have something that feels like more than just a bet. Give me a sure thing. I- I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Josh Jackson won't be back. I, I think we we know that. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, um, he he's got a six point six million dollar qualifying offer. Um, there is chatter that he's looking for uh, mid level exception money that they think that they can get mid level money, which is um, which is basically a four year forty. Uh, 44, something like that. Um, what do you think? The Yeah, four-year, 43.4, I think, is what the mid-level is, which Dante could get on the outside, and he would want something like that uh, from the Kings. like Or they could match. They could match an MLE. Um, but where are you at with Dante? At 10 million. I would keep him. I clearly hes- am hesitant, but... I think that maybe I'm talking myself into this. His body language is like rough when he's out there right now. And there's a lot of moments where I'm like, man, he just looks like a guy that's really frustrated with how these final games are going right before he gets paid. Or he's doing a little bit too much because he's trying to show off for what's about to be the biggest payday of his life. 
and he just feels like a guy that if he just calmed down a little bit on some of these where he's doing a little bit too much, that, again, I, I see the potential as a starting two guard alongside Domas and De'Aaron. I think that, and this is still new to me to see all this all the time, but watching him in, I know, in an empty gym, catch and shoot, that guy is automatic. And maybe I'm reading too much into that type of stuff, but like I believe in his three-point shot when he's spotting up, catching and shooting. And I think that if you get him more minutes with Fox and Sabonis and getting uncomfortable with that and not feeling like he needs to show that he can do more because he's about to get paid, that like I guess that's how I'm talking myself into this because the $10 million would be a little suspect to me with how much we've with just what we've seen from him because of him doing too much, I know is something that Milwaukee had a critique with him for that same reason. So maybe that's just how Dante is and the contract situation isn't playing into it as much as I'm talking it up to be. But I think that's fine money. Um, DeLon Wright got paid three years, $28 million. I don't think that I, I don't think that's a good contract for DeLon Wright, but you know, I, I think that there's a lot of guys. I, I don't think ten million is that much to me. I think I the problem that the Kings into it. Yeah, I think the Kings. The problem the Kings have is number one, you never want to do death by mid level, right? So, if you're looking for a twenty million dollar player, but you keep signing players to ten million dollar deals, you'll never be able to afford a ten a twenty million dollar player or a thirty million dollar player, right? That's always the problem. Now, Sacramento has a problem that they they can't go out and get those guys anyways, right? So, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, I think it was a much bigger deal death by mid-level when the mid-level was like 5 million and the salary cap was at 60. So now you're talking about like one twelfth of your salary cap is going to one person, um, where I guess, you know, now if, if the salary cap is at 20, oh, 120 million, you're looking at more like 8% of your salary cap as a $10 million player. Um, so that dynamic is is changed a little bit, and, and that makes me slightly more comfortable. I would, like, again, with Dante, um, what I've seen is a three-year 24. That's what I've seen. Now, I think he can be better than three-year 24, but that's they, they think that they won't have a problem getting an MLE from multiple teams that will have MLEs. No one has any cap space. This season, I think there's only five teams or something with cap space, um, and but everyone has the MLE. Now that doesn't mean everyone's going to spend the MLE because people who have the MLE a lot of times are are up against the salary like the luxury tax anyways. So it's hard for them to add players when they're that high up anyways. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, and the other guys in the free agent class that I think like would be competing for. Teams would be debating, am I giving Dante Amelie yeah. or some of these other guys like Gary Harris? Um, okay. I don't know if Joe Ingles, he had a nasty injury in his 34. Yeah. Um, TJ Warren, injury situation as well. Robert Covington. Um, Covington's getting old, though, and he's showing his age. Yeah, I don't okay. know if Derek Jones Jr. is a name we've heard before. Kyle Anderson. Okay. Um, so now so, you're starting to stack up. That's that's like eight MLEs that or close to it. Right. That I think are going to be out there. Um, even Malik Monk, like mm-hmm. that's going to be a decision. Like, would you prefer to have a guy like Malik Monk, who's more of just a pure shooter, 
and doesn't do the other things? Or would you rather have uh, a guy who's more versatile but isn't as good at shooting? Uh, like these are these are part part of the questions that you're going to have to answer in, in your basic roster construction, right? Uh, yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, and let's just do it at what we think it'll be—a four-year, forty-three point something million, four-year, forty-four. I'm thumbs up. Okay. Um, I think I have a hard time doing that. Um, and I like Dante. Um, I like his personality. I think he's a winner. Um, he's proven that at the college level. He's proven that at the pro level. I have a hard time with that right now from what I've seen. And I agree with you. He's he he's trying too hard. And I think it, part of it is, you know, he's trying to prove that he's healthy and that he's back. I get it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I will talk myself into that. I can talk myself into that, but... The only way I can talk myself into that is if Rashawn Holmes is no longer on the roster. Which, to me, he has to be. He, he, I mean, I know that his situation is complicated now, but to me, if like Rashawn's on the roster going into next year, I'm really going to be like, what are we doing here? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, like, uh, Rashawn Holmes should not be on this roster next year, and it's not because of his off-the-court stuff. Um, that That's all going to play itself out and however it plays itself out. It's very specific. He just You, you can't have a $10 million a year backup center. Um, not when your your starter is a front line center, and you can have a ten million old ten million dollar backup shooting guard when you don't have a settled shooting guard position. I'm a little leery on blowing twenty million dollars at the shooting guard position between Terrence Davis, Dante Divincenzo, and uh, and Justin Holiday, and I don't know that you you have a starter. I, I'm I'm very concerned about that because that's not that's not a good situation. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, I think you're a thumbs up. I'm a I'm a thumb sideways. How about that? I'm like, it like it has to be the right situation. If I'm going to pay him that now, if it's a three year twenty four, sign me up. I'm, I'm I'm all over it. And I know that doesn't seem like it's that much money. It's it's that much money in my opinion. Um, okay, so the reason why we did this is we're just going to break it down. Four point six for Mo, three point nine for Alex. 2.6 for Trey, 6.3 for Justin. Harrison Barnes is at 18.4 million, which we didn't even get into. Uh, 1.9 million for Chemezi Metu. Terrence Davis at 4 million. Dante DiVincenzo at 6.6 uh, with his qualifying offer, but going to make more money than that. Uh, Damian Jones unrestricted. Josh Jackson unrestricted. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Throw in Namias Keita who is not on a guaranteed deal, but the Kings have his rights for next year. That's 11 players, 11 of your, well, at this point, the Kings have 16. And that leaves the Kings with very few players who are under contract next after next season. Um, and that's where it really gets interesting, man. Uh, you know, I was looking, um, the Kings uh, for the 2023-24 season, uh, Fox makes 32.6 and DeMontis Sabonis makes 19.4. So those kind of fit into each other nicely. So 33, what is that? $52 million. Uh, if Rashawn Holmes and his $12 million contract isn't on the roster, uh, the only other person that you have on the roster is Davion Mitchell. And so he's at 5 million for that season. And so you're, you're literally looking at $57 million in dedicated salary, not for next offseason, but the offseason after that, the 2023-24. And 
that means that you're going to be, I don't know, close to 70 million under the cap. Um, this season, the players that we mentioned, uh, if, if you just look at, you know, what they make right now and all that stuff, you have Fox, you have, uh, Harrison, you have Sabonis, uh, Rashawn, um, Justin, Davion, Mo, Terrence Davis, Alex Len. Uh, so we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players under contract. Those nine players make 102 million. You start adding in, uh, Trey Lyles. Uh, Metu, Nemi, and Dante DiVincenzo. Um, and that number gets you very close to your $122 million salary cap. Uh, so you would still have a mid-level exception. You could still go out and do something with that. You'd still have your biannual exception, which is basically to your eight. Um, so you could improve the roster, but you couldn't improve it greatly without making trades uh, and doing a bunch of other stuff. So... When it comes to salary cap, I, I love the salary cap. We're going to talk about salary cap stuff uh, in the coming weeks as things start to heat up, like specifically heading towards free agency on July 1st. Um, I'll add in the Kings have a $4 million trade exception for the Tyrese Halliburton trade. They have a $1.6 million trade exception for the Marvin Bagley situation. Those things come in handy um, because they can you know, be part of a much bigger deal and so I think that there's a lot of ways that the Kings can improve their roster. And that brings us to our final segment, which is the business of basketball. Brennan, are you ready? I am ready, James. That was tough. Are you ready? ready. Um, all right. The business of basketball. Um, there are three major ways to improve an NBA roster, right? Trades, draft, free agency. Which one would you focus on this offseason? Um, knowing that, again, if you don't retain Dante DiVincenzo, you repel like some of your rights to other people that um, without trying really hard, you could get to roughly $19 million under the cap. Um, and then if you try to clear out cap space, like you did a trade on draft day and got rid of, say, three of your four to six million dollar players and all of a sudden you got 30 something million dollars in cap space um there are ways that this team could actually clear up a ton of space that's why we bring up the discussion about all of these guys who are um unrestricted free agents or restricted free agent or or expiring contracts and stuff like that um so what would you do what would you focus on uh trades draft or free agency to improve this roster i would do everything in my power to rig the lottery because okay. to me, the answer is trades, but it depends on where you fall in this draft. Um, if you're falling top two, I'm or Chet and or Jabari are there. At, if you're three or four, like personally, I'm doing that. After that, like to me, it has to be trades. I'm not putting that much value into their potential twenty million. I think do what you can with the MLE, and for me, it's going to have to be. Rashawn Holmes and I mean the most common package again that I do is Rashawn Holmes Justin Holiday, and then your first round pick and seeing what you can do from there or if you have to include Harrison Barnes because his finances are greater than what you're talking about with the other two like sure um, I, I think obviously you try to do it without that so that way you still have the quality starter that is Harrison Barnes on this team 
to me, the answer is a trade. A lot of it has to do with how their first round pick falls in the lottery. But to me, I'm expecting that we just hear Sacramento included in so many trade conversations. Yep. Okay. Now, what would you do, though, if it were you, not like, what do you think they'll do? I would do everything I can to go get John Collins. I think that by the end, if we see that maybe that price is unreasonable or Atlanta's not trying to move him, I it's not the most popular. I don't mind Jeremy Grant. I think he's a 3 and D big wing that this team needs, almost like a actual like a best version of Mo Harkless's prototype. And I don't hate it. I could talk myself into trading uh, Justin Holiday, Rashawn Holmes, and probably would have to be like, can you do next year's first round pick with protections? Yeah, and with then protections. also bring in your draft pick. You know, like I, I think that that's probably the way that I would try to go about that. And then if you can't make any big splashes like that, like again, Rashawn Holmes, Justin Holiday for Tim Hardaway Jr doesn't really do enough right it Hmm. it would have to be that and which by the way i got that sent to me from i should find this on twitter that's intriguing combo kb so shout out to him but he pitched the tim hardaway which i think makes sense three-point shooting that this team needs yeah but it would have to be like tim hardaway and then you still retained your first round pick in that from this season and then that's also the other additional uh, substantial change that you made to this roster because Tim Hardaway Jr. by himself isn't enough. Like Jeremy Grant by himself is not enough. So to me, yeah. I guess like John Collins, Jeremy Grant are the two that really pop off. Yeah, I think my biggest concern, uh, like specifically with Hardaway, is that, you know he's on the other side of thirty. Um, and are you just looking to like, if you're going to do something like that and I will, I'll put Jeremy Grant in the same situation. Uh, Hardaway is owed 19.6 next year. Uh, he's on a declining scale contract. So 17.9 and 16.2. Um, so he's under contract for three more years and I think he's going to be serviceable. I mean, he's coming off an injury clearly. Um, and I think he would be serviceable for the next couple of years. I like Hardaway. I, th- I think there's a lot that could be had there. Um, I, I just am slightly concerned about being upside down on my roster as far as age. Um, and, and I think the Kings are already heading towards that, um, uh, where they have to actually do something to like, they do have to do something to get younger. Like we do need to see them do something, you know, even if like this season, I think they have two second round picks, take a couple of second round picks and move up into the first round and get a first round talent. Um, in the 20s because a lot of those teams don't want the guaranteed con- contract they'd rather have the the two um you know the two uh second round picks over a first round pick uh that that's something i would look at i, I think the kings can actually maneuver here and do some things to actually free up some cap space and do all that i, I think i would also look at my second round picks and say hey can i trade a second round pick with uh justin holiday to just free up the money um, and, and go for a much deeper second round pick or something. I, I just think there are ways that you can actually help yourself here and clear up some more space or, or do some different things. Um, if I'm going to answer the same question, uh, I am, I am too, like, you gotta, you gotta make a, another substantial trade. 
And, you know, we keep saying that um, that everything has to be, you got to set up next season so then that way DeMontis Sabonis is going to want to sign an extension next summer. I'm also going to add in Harrison Barnes. And I know this might not be like the most popular thing ever, um, but what Harrison Barnes brings to this Sacramento Kings team, I don't think that they can just replace. Like if you bring in Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant's a good player. He's kind of an equal to Harrison Barnes, like as far as play, like ability. Again, we can, we can use like 2K ratings to look at two players and say like, they're in the same ballpark as far as players, uh, the skill level, what they bring to the table, all that. I think that the Kings need to do something dramatic that also makes Harrison Barnes go, okay, I like what's happening. And I'm willing to sign a two or three year extension because that would happen this off season. Harrison Barnes is going into the final year of his contract. He's making 18.6 million. I think that it's not as big as a Sabonis saying, but it's still big. You still, if you sign Harrison Barnes to a, a three year, say $45 million deal, that's 16, 15 and 14. And that's what he's making as a 31, 32 and 33 year old. I think that that's a, a really good bargain for what you're what you have but the only way that happens I, I almost guarantee it is if you prove to Harrison Barnes that you're actually serious and you're going to build something and I, I'm not sure that this team can do that but if they can then like my first move is to make a huge move my second is to go to Harrison Barnes and try to lock him up longer and then you know I'll worry about the Dante DiVincenzo situation and like all the other situations that are in flux around this team. But can I get that big piece that improves me now and makes not only Sabonis happy but Fox happy and Harrison Barnes happy? Uh, that's kind of the way. I, I I mean maybe that's crazy, but that's how I would be attacking this. No, I'm with you. I think Harrison is a important way to look at. Like I think what happens with him is going to be an interesting gauge of Monty because it's another asset management thing Harrison's been almost traded not actually almost traded but in trade conversations non-stop for the past two off seasons and we've heard rumors that he has notable value around the league of at least a first round pick and if he were to just end up walking for nothing it would be a very bad use of an asset so I'm with you. I hadn't considered his potential extension this offseason. I think that there's a reason that I think like, wow, you could really use another Harrison Barnes because he is a very important piece. And that's a weird aspect to me with, while I do think trade is the most substantial way to go about this offseason, that say you have to include Harrison Barnes in a deal for John Collins, then you just have the same holes of two, probably two guys that aren't going to be starter caliber players alongside now a trio of Fox Sabonis and John Collins like Harrison's a guy right so Harrison's a guy for me also that I, I do really like having him around and yeah makes a lot of sense hadn't considered impressing him for potential extension talks yeah all right uh do you have any final thoughts I think that Davion's really funny about how he was just messing around a lot after that game, understandably so, in the whole, I think I guess my bounce just came back, left and came back. and Magically. It's just, I love that you can see him holding back a smile sometimes. 
because he's trying to stay professional. So I, I think this has been fun for multiple reasons of seeing Davion do this. I want to see him continue to come out of his shell. And not just his shell as a uh, as a player, because we're watching that. We're watching like the metamorphosis of of Davion Mitchell. He he's going you know, he's becoming a butterfly uh that we're watching which is fun to watch uh and, and like it's tempered optimism and everything else but uh i i like that he's he's proving that number one he's a flat out like high-end rotational player in the nba he's a top six rotational player whether he's a starter or whether he's not i mean that's a discussion for it's much more complex and layered um but still i i'm enjoying what we're seeing um okay so outside of that uh Let's see if you're watching, still watching. Uh, we've been running these a little bit longer than normal. Uh, but if you're still watching, uh, number one, give us a thumbs up. Uh, go down and give us a, uh, a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Um, also, make sure you're uh, jumping on board with the King's Beat. Um, premium subscriptions are like, I mean, at this point, Starbucks is almost up to a cup of coffee at seven bucks. Uh, so a premium subscription subscription is $7 a month or $75 for a year, and it gets you the happy hours and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so so jump on board with the King's Beat and, and give a, a premium subscription because that helps us do what we're doing. And, and just keep in mind that like for every gallon of gas that I use to go to uh, Sacramento, um, that's like basically one of your subscriptions for every like... 25 miles that I go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a, a labor. Taking different cars, James. Gas is tough right now. Gas is tough. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I steal the Corolla and uh, and I don't take the van um, because gas is just outrageous. But uh, but anyway, we're gonna keep you going all the way through the summer. We're gonna cover the draft extensively. We're gonna have people coming in. Uh, we need to get through this season. Uh, we need to get through. What's going to happen with Alvin Gentry on April 12th or 13th, whatever the end of the season date is. Uh, we're going to be covering all that stuff. Um, and then we're going to hit the draft and free agency and player profiles and all that stuff really, really hard. Um, also, just remember this weekend is going to be a little strange because I am, in fact, going to the Final Four in New Orleans. So probably not going to get Sunday musings. I might do a weekend review on Saturday morning, but it's going to be a little choppy with coverage. Uh, just because I will be out of town um, from Friday to Tuesday. I'm going to fly in. My flight leaves at like 5 a.m. in New Orleans. I'll get back on Tuesday so I can cover the game that night. Uh, that's going to be a bit hectic. Um, but uh, but we're counting down. We're the end of the season here. And uh, the Kings still aren't eliminated from the play-in. Brandon, I'm not, that's it's the not end even of t- this episode. Of, it's not uh, even a topic. We're not even going to talk about it. Oh, God. We don't talk about uh, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about uh, playing, uh, but I, I think their magic number is still three, with five games to go. Um, yeah, I, sorry, gotta sorry. gotta mention it. Sorry. Uh, all right, so <laughs> I don't have to. All right, well that's gonna do it for this episode of the Kings Beat Podcast for Brendan Nunez from the King's Herald and the King's Pulse podcast. Make sure you're listening to the King's Pulse podcast. I am James Ham. We will see you sometime next week. Uh, it's going to be in flux because of the final four, but we'll see you sometime next week.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.